It's a good story. Let's read it from Luke chapter two. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the house of David, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. My favorite professor in seminary was a man by the name of Donald Boyd. Uh, he is now with Jesus in heaven. He was my preaching professor, and he gave the class some absolutely amazing advice. He said this, imagine yourself in the biblical narrative. He, he said, imagine yourself as the people in the story. Imagine what they were thinking, what they were feeling, what they were smelling, sensing, what they lived through as you are reading. Don't just read the story, experience it. And then he said, imagine then what it would be like if it happened today. Because that's your work, to take that timeless truth that happened all the way back there and apply it to today. So tonight, I want to encourage you to imagine yourself in the Christmas story. I'm gonna guess that you probably imagined yourself in the story when you were a child. In fact, you may have acted it out. Do you, do you remember the days when you were young, participating in Christmas musicals and Christmas plays? I do. 
Uh, one in particular uh, was rather traumatic. It involved a set of tights <laughs> and a lot of tears and pleading with my parents. Um, moving on. Uh, <laughs> maybe you were Mary or, or Joseph or an angel because there's always room for more angels in the Christmas story. Did you play one of the shepherds? Were you the unlucky kid that had to play the innkeeper? You know, boo. It's kind of like playing Judas at the Last Supper. Maybe you were one of the sheep or one of the camels or a donkey. You know, the non-speaking parts. Those were always my favorite as long as they didn't involve a set of tights. Or maybe you played one of the wise men. And just as a point of trivia, uh, there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the biblical account does not say how many wise men actually came to visit Jesus, even though the Christmas carol says, we three kings of Orient are. But how long has it been since you imagined yourself in this story? Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been there? Can you imagine what it would be like if it happened today? This story comes around every single year. And I believe that we are meant to imagine ourselves in this redemptive story because it involves us. It's about us. It's what God did in us and for us. We actually know the beginning of the story before Jesus is ever born. Uh, we see it coming. We know it's coming when the angel visits Mary. And, and we already know what the angel's going to say. The angel's going to tell Mary, you have found favor with God. And, and you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and you will bear a son. We know on the front end, don't we, that Joseph isn't going to believe her and he will wrestle with whether to divorce her quietly because of her apparent unfaithfulness. We also know that Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, will be with child, even in her advanced years. But even though Mary has found favor with God, we also know that this is going to be difficult for Mary. She will have to travel to Bethlehem because of the census on the back of a donkey. There won't be room in the inn, and Jesus will be born in a stable, her firstborn. And this young family will have to flee to Egypt because King Herod will eventually try to kill baby Jesus. We know these things. We depend on these things as people of faith. They are foundational to who Jesus is as the God-man, born of a virgin, our Savior and Lord. The whole world knows this story. Children know this story. It wasn't merchandise, but the children know this story. In fact, if most of us, if most of the world went up to the pearly gates in heaven and faced St. Peter and the entrance exam was on this story, most people in the world would pass and get in. Even though this happened over 2,000 years ago, we know this story. In Luke's gospel, the shepherds were told that the good news of Jesus' birth would bring great joy for all 
the people. Remember? Luke 2 through 10 through 11 again. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. All the people. All the people everywhere, in every place, of every nation, of every race, in every time in history. This is good news, which should cause great joy for all the people. And all means us and a whole lot more. He is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord of the world. Those terms, Savior, Messiah, Lord, are a little harder to grasp than baby Jesus because those are ancient terms, words that had significant meaning in another time and in another religion, which does pose an interesting question. Can we really put ourselves in a story this far removed from it I think so, I hope so. I think we should try to unpack this story every year as we unpack our nativities set and get them out of storage. And I think we should ponder what it would have been like to actually be there. But there's a danger in this story as well if we just stay within the nativity set. And what I mean is Jesus grew up Uh, There is more to this redemption story, and we should imagine ourselves in absolutely all of it. We have to understand that this child turned history and religion itself upside down. The way Jesus described the kingdom of God was almost backwards, and his words will challenge you if you imagine him speaking them to you. Jesus said things like, give to the poor, feed the hungry, look to the needs of others more than yourself, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And if you do not believe in God's one and only son, you stand condemned already. How do you imagine yourself in a story that goes there? In fact, looking, I think, at the whole story of Jesus, it's easier to imagine ourselves in certain snapshots than others. The the snapshots of his love and his compassion and his forgiveness are easy. The the others are more difficult. But maybe, maybe the whole story is too much for one night, especially maybe tonight. Let's let's just imagine what it would have been like the star and angel-filled night that our Savior was born. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2 and imagine what it would be like today if God broke into our world and spoke these words. We're told that Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in order to register for a census. And this week, as I pondered and wrestled with that, I thought, what powers, what governmental things exert that kind of control over us? 
And the only thing I could think of was taxes. <laughs> uh, we all pay them. Uh, we don't have to travel to pay them. We can do it online and all that good stuff. But Mary and Joseph were forced to go. And then what backwards town in western Pennsylvania would Joseph and Mary be from? Hunker? Grapeville? <laughs> That's, that, always, that, that always gets me laughing. Grapeville. I, just, I don't know. New Stanton? What would be the equivalent of the little town of Bethlehem? 70 miles away towards the capital. Johnstown? Maybe Altoona? I can't imagine having to walk slash ride on a donkey for 70 miles. I suppose today we could imagine them driving in a beat-up pickup truck, but I don't think that would capture how difficult this was for a woman who is nine months pregnant. And I'm certain you ladies can't imagine traveling by foot slash donkey all that way while nine months pregnant. What did Mary's feet feel like at the end of that journey? What did her back feel like? How did she sleep at night? Was Joseph sick to his stomach every single mile of this journey, worrying about this woman that he loved? What did she and Joseph talk about as they traveled to Bethlehem all those miles? You know, besides what a jerk Caesar Augustus was and the Romans in general, did they have hopes and dreams for Joseph's carpenter shop? Did, did they wonder where they would live or what kind of home they would build? Did, did they have plans for this child that grew in Mary's womb? Did, did they wonder what he would be? Did they wonder if he would take on his father's trade? What would a poor traveler like Mary use instead of a manger today? A Motel 6 dresser drawer? If we imagined them more homeless, would it be a cardboard box that something was shipped in? Who would the modern-day shepherds be in western Pennsylvania? Maybe farmers up to milk the cows at 5 a.m.? Let, let, let's go with that. After these farmers had the most amazing, God-filled, angelic experience, who in their right mind in western Pennsylvania would have listened to them. Would you believe them? Would you believe that a bunch of farmers smelling like livestock and probably spitting Copenhagen had seen an angel? If they rushed into sheets, which seems to be the odd center of this town, proclaiming that they had been told by God that the promised Messiah had been born, would you think they were drunk? If they told you an angel announced it to them and that a whole flock of them lit up the sky and started singing, would you believe them? If they told you that they had found the baby just as the angel had said in a barn over at the old Evans farm, would you think they were crazy? My point is we, we all know this story so well. It comes around every single year and we set up the tree and we unpack the nativity set and we hang the lights and wrap the presents and we eagerly await 
tomorrow morning. But I think this story invites us to slow down and imagine being there again. And it invites us to ask ourselves, do I believe this? Would you have given some farmer or shepherd or even some redneck preacher the time of day? Are you filled with awe this night that God sent a savior into the world, born of a virgin? Before we jump into tomorrow morning, I invite you to be here again. And ponder the question, do I believe a savior has been born? Do I believe that angels announced his birth to shepherds in the dark of a silent night? Do I believe that he grew up and then hung on a cross, that he died my death so that I could live? Do you believe that he's your savior, the Messiah, the Lord. I pray that this Christmas you do. And I pray that you would invite him in as you imagine yourself there. Because the truth is, he was there all those years ago. And he was there for you and me because this story is about us and what God is doing in us. The good news is this is for all people and that includes you and me, everyone, everywhere. Merry Christmas and may God bless you this coming year as you celebrate this night that a savior has been born unto you. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that you came to be with us and that God, you, you can reveal yourself to us even now, that we can imagine ourselves in this story. We can imagine you coming again tonight to us as our savior. I give you thanks, in Jesus' name.